Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 561. This is the weekly podcast about slow flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This show is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free online directory to more than 850 florists, shops, and studios who design with local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor, Farm Girl Flowers. Farm Girl Flowers delivers iconic burlap wrap bouquets and lush, abundant arrangements to customers across the U.S. supporting U.S. flower farms by purchasing more than $10 million of U.S.-grown fresh and seasonal flowers and foliage annually. Discover more at farmgirlflowers.com. And thanks to Mayesh Wholesale Florist. Family-owned since 1978, Mayesh is the premier wedding and event supplier in the U.S., and we're thrilled to partner with Mayesh to promote local and domestic flowers, which they source from farms large and small around the U.S. Learn more at mayesh.com. The urgency to reverse climate change and better care for the future of our planet are top-of-mind issues for many floral professionals. If you're listening or watching today, you probably are here because you want to know more about the Slow Flowers movement. And we schedule our topics and guests with values of seasonality, sustainability, and social equity in mind. We know from our members' feedback and surveys that you too want to make mindful decisions about your own role in creating a better floral marketplace. Today's guest has been a valuable resource throughout my own quest to become better educated, including understanding the scientific facts and academic research around sustainable and non-sustainable practices in our floral marketplace. I recently visited Becky Feesby, owner of Calgary, Alberta-based Prairie Girl Flowers, and the two of us spent much of our 72 hours together in conversation about our shared passion for making the floral industry a safer and more sustainable one. Those conversations are captured in today's show, and I'm excited to share with you. Becky is a passionate gardener florist who creates natural arrangements centered on the vibrant colors and textures that make up life on the Canadian prairies. She is currently working toward her master's degree in sustainability at Harvard University and says sustainability is not only the focus of her work, but also the reason for her existence to create a sustainable floral business in Calgary that maintains the environmental, social, and economic integrity of the floral industry. Wow, wise words. Well, let's jump right in and join the conversation. Hey, everybody, it's Deborah Prinzing from The Slow Flowers Show, and I'm so excited today to introduce, reintroduce Becky Feesby of Prairie Girl Flowers. We're here in her beautiful home and garden in Calgary. Yes, I know. It's so great to have you here. Thank you for hosting me. Please. Anytime. It will be revealed to all of you in the future, in the near future, why I'm here. <laughs> um, but it's been phenomenal. We have such a great contingent of Soul Flowers members in the nation of Canada, our neighbors. We have so many uh, kind of similar issues with flower sourcing, flower farming. 
sustainability, um, that it's just been a great you know, alignment. And Becky has stepped forward a couple years ago as sort of our ambassador uh, for Slow Flowers, and we, we cook up a lot of things. So we're <laughs> going to talk about that. Um, but first of all, I want to say that you are a past guest of the podcast. I, I know. Right? That was a long time ago. 2018. Yeah. We were at the Whibby Flower Workshop, yeah. and um, it was so interesting because um, you, we talked about Prairie Girl Flowers. Yep. And at the time, how would you have described yourself? Like, I was sort of fledgling, uh-huh. <laughs> so getting going, um, frustrated with what I felt was the sort of standards in the mm-hmm. industry, and also finding my way as a, you know, new wedding florist and so on, and how was I going to navigate the goals and ethics and standards I had set for myself and my business with trying to, you know, produce beautiful things and learn yeah. as I go and so on. But you mm-hmm. had a mobile a mobile component. I did. That's right. I had a flower truck. So I tried that out for a couple of years um, here in Calgary. It was a rough go simply because, you know, a flower truck in Calgary can really be only on the road for five months of the year. It wasn't year round. No, it was yeah. not year round. It's hard to sell flowers out of a truck window if it's minus 30. Yeah. So, but know, it was a cute idea. The photos are cute. Super cute idea. And it was fun. And it sort of you know, I, I met lots of interesting people. I got some great gigs out of it. And and people now, like, say, you know, I, I missed your truck. And, I'm like, oh. right. and COVID also, you know, a lot of those markets were shut down. And so I'm like, where am I going with this truck, yeah. right? Yeah. So um, this is kind of a, a where is she now type of interview. <laughs> and uh, Becky's doing some really exciting things that um, I'm really happy to be part of. And uh, one of them is... Uh, I want everyone to hear about your current role in the floral space, mm-hmm. and you still are using the name Prairie Girl Flowers, yes. yep. but pretty soon you'll be Becky Feesby, graduate of uh, Harvard, <laughs> des- uh, Harvard. so <laughs> right. I want you to give everyone kind of a snapshot of what you're doing sure. and, and how it all came together. Yeah, so, you know, and thank you, Deborah. you've always been a massive support, like, yeah. which I never... Um, easy to do. Well, and I feel the same way, yeah. so... Um, so I think I was getting a bit frustrated about how I could affect the kind of change I wanted to see. And what I came to realize after a sort of botched um, meetup with a, a Canadian wholesaler um, that I felt, you know, didn't go the way it should, the meetup didn't happen. Um, and I thought, you know what, I'm missing gaps. Like, I, there was a lot of gaps in my education and my knowledge and experience that need to be filled if I'm going to get anywhere here. So I thought, let's go back to school. (laughs) I guess who doesn't want to do that when they're almost 50? But let me just say this household of the Phoebes, you're all like into school. You have an extra master's. Your husband yeah. has a master's and, and a, a law degree. PhD, and a PhD. And a PhD. Oh, yeah. my God. I have a daughter starting grad school. So we, we do like um, academia here. Yeah, like you solve problems through study. Yes. I, yeah, I would say that as a family, we sort of do that. And, I mean, we, we may be a bit nerdy. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but, and, I mean, we value, the, you know, experience. But I do, I do value that. You know, if you, if education, higher education is accessible to you, I think there's lots to be gained there. So you knew you, know, you knew there was a body of knowledge that you hadn't tapped into totally. that you wanted to have and yes. to make you more fluent yes. in the sustainability conversation. Absolutely. Uh, so what? <laughs> you went online. I went online. <laughs> I'm like, where should I go? And I'm like, well, you know, sustainability is a sort of 
newer degree offering at many universities. I had some Canadian options, but they all had a fairly long residency requirement, so I might have had to go and live there for three months or six months, and that wouldn't have worked in my family situation. There was nothing here. Um, and so I stumbled on the program at Harvard and started reading more about it. It has a phenomenal selection of courses. It is uh, run by you know, unbelievably smart professionals that have been working in fields of sustainability, whether it's tropical reforestation and deforestation to environmental justice to, you know, industrial ecology, you name it. These people are, are big. You showed me the sort of the descriptions of the courses yeah. and who the teachers were. Yeah, it's and amazing. Who, who the program directors were. Yeah. Um, what is the actual program called? So it's a, the degree I'll get is called an ALM, which is a Master's in Liberal Arts um, in Sustainability. Okay. So, and they also offer a global development practice that's part of that sort of sustainability umbrella. So there's students from all over the world. There's students from all over, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I have a three-week residency requirement, so I will be going there to fulfill that. So even before COVID, that's how they operated it? Yes. Okay, you're yeah. a distance learner. Yeah. Yes. So they, wow. in, during pre-COVID, they would have most of the classes live in person, but then filmed and, you and know, broadcast. Yeah. yeah. Um, the broader topic of sustainability m- means, it seems to mean, that you're designing your course of study. Yes. So they I don't have a sustainable forestry They program. do not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, that's a good point, Deborah, because one of the other things I started to realize the longer I've been there is how blind even experts in sustainability or environmentalism, or social justice, are to the issues that we have in the floral industry. And they sort of fly under the radar. Mm. And, um, you know, from a volume perspective, it's not as big as conventional agricultural practices, perhaps, or fashion, let's say, or whatever. Or food systems. Yeah, Yeah. but there's still, you know, impacts that we have to start addressing. And understanding. So, yes. So you started the program. You had to... Take a few courses and then apply. Yeah. Did you have to make have like a statement of study uh, that you pitched to them as yes. like I deserve to be part of this? Yes. And so like what was what were my goals for the program and what did I anticipate my thesis or a capstone project? But I'm going the thesis route. What did I anticipate that being about? Okay. Wow. Um, and then I do get an external um, supervisor as well, so I can I'll find that person who sort of is going to add value, and I will add value to their research, and they'll add value to mine, and we'll work together. Is it someone at Harvard, or... It can be, be somewhere, any, anywhere, okay. yeah. Okay. And so Harvard funds that. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. So yeah. You've been, you started... This was the true COVID yeah. project, <laughs> yes. because you started it... Well, well January 2020, so... Yeah. That's crazy. No, sorry, January 2021. Okay. So it was, yeah, so it was 100% COVID. Okay, so you've yeah. been you've been through five semesters, you said. Yes. Wow. Yeah, because I did great. summer school and, you know, a bunch of things, yeah. Um, when you talk about flying beneath the radar, I, I just find this so fascinating. You've described some of the classes you've taken. Yeah. For example, the sustainable fashion class. Yes, yeah. Your uh, instructors um, allowed you to do kind of a floral-centric research project in that class. Totally. We had three papers that had to sort of build on each other. Mm-hmm. And I asked, you know, is it okay if I would write about these in the flower industry rather than the fashion? And the professor was like, absolutely. The issues are the same. There's so many parallels. Right? There's so many parallels. And that class I actually learned so much from that can be really applied to the research I'm going to be doing for my thesis work. Wow. You know? So it's, it's, I love it. Yeah. I crazy love it. And it also, you know, it's also hard. Like there's days... And, and a lot of our professors have said this, where we're like, you know, how do you deal with this sort of 
you know, sadness you feel over mm-hmm. the state of things when you're studying this every day and so on. And um, Right, the, 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 the emotional toll of feeling this urgency. Yes, yeah. And that people who are in the program, you're all kind of, I would say, believers in the importance of changing conventional yes. practices in every industry. Absolutely, yeah. But and we see the clock ticking. But do you because feel like we, you're all you know, just talking to each other or, you know... Do you see, are you able to measure some progress? Oh, yeah. And, and, and I think we see, you know, I learned from my classmates, like the bigger conversations that are happening in their work, mm-hmm. in their industries, whatever. And so I think, and, you know, even, you know, my, my, one of my professors, um, who's the head of sustainability for Blue Apron, I told you yeah. about. And, and she so showed cool. up one night and she was all teary-eyed in the class saying, we just went carbon neutral. Like, I made that happen, and I've been working there for six months, you know? And you sort of go, okay, okay. people can, can do and she, and she And she made it carbon neutral in a way that's meaningful, right? Like, in a way that, that has rejigged things to make it. And got buy-in from yes. the senior management exactly. and all that. Yeah. So, I mean... That's a victory. I think so. So, you know, we hear about these victories, and we have amazing guest speakers and guest lecturers, and, you know, and you, you see the the big problems that they're solving. But flowers have never been taken quite seriously in the sustainability world as an issue because, well, they're pretty and they grow. Well, how can there be a problem with this? Yeah, well, there (laughs) isn't. isn't. (laughs) I grew these. These were grown here. (laughs) Calgary grown. Uh, Right, but um, yes, you've you've really opened the eyes of your academic peers and your faculty, Mm -hmm. you know, instructors about just the fact that this is important. Well, and I think, yeah, and so many of them have, you know, when I'll speak about this in class or, re, you know, research it and write in my papers or whatever, the, the, the sort of response will be, well, of course these problems exist. Of course they do, but I've never thought about it. I've, the flowers have been completely off my radar. How do you break down the, the buckets of problems? So I try to break them down the way most people do into sort of like environmental, social, and then economic, okay. right? And so then how do all those things play out and that they all matter equally? Okay. We can't just say, well, we're just going to worry about the environmental impact, right? We can't just go carbon neutral. There's, a, there's value in that, right? but we also have to think of the social impacts and the economic impacts, right? Yeah. So we have to address all of that. Wow. And it's easy to fill up those buckets when we talk about flowers, yeah. right? And, and figure out where, where are the gaps, right, in the industry that need addressing. Right. So you went in with a kind of a pr- an intended thesis statement. Mm-hmm. Can you share with us what that is, and has it changed at all? It's totally changed. So, okay. yeah, so I'm hopefully now, and there's still some finalization for sort of the pre-proposal start part of your thesis. This is graduate school yeah. after all. <laughs> yes. It's, there's it's, a lot of hoops. A lot of hoops. And, and, and slowness. Like, yeah. even though we feel the urgency, you know, academia does not move that quickly. <laughs> um, but, so I'm hoping to come up with a way for, a way to have some quantitative and qualitative measures of sustainability in the floral industry that can be used by large-scale growers wholesalers, florists, like different pieces of the industry. So how can we measure statements of sustainability? So what would those 
um, metrics be that you would evaluate right. and then some come up with some kind of scoring or ranking yes, system? Yes, exactly. Wow. So there would be things that would be a quantitative measure. So that could be your carbon inputs, right? And um, Which, Is there the technology there's, to Yes, do there's that? ways to do that. And you could look at different ways of measuring it and so come up with sort of a score there, mm -hmm. right? You could come up with some social scores, right? So if, if you are a grower in Ecuador, are the people there being paid a living wage? Yeah. Right. And what is that? You know, um, because a lot of these other places don't have a minimum wage, but for example, minimum wage is not a living wage. Right. Right. right? And so we, and we have, we know what living wages are for most places in the world. There's sort of a already been research on labor yes. and employment. And what does it cost? Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, some employers find it hard to swallow paying a living wage. And let's be clear, a living wage is not living it up. Right. You are scraping by. It's, it's hand to mouth. It is hand to mouth. I mean, here in Canada, our minimum wage is $15 an hour, but the living wage where I live in Calgary is considered just over $18 an hour. And so that means you are finding a place to rent that's probably not that great, and you're able to feed yourself. And the living wage is above the minimum wage, so there that's are some saying, employers right? who aren't going to do of that. Of course. Yeah. And so I'm saying, you know, and, and so the minimum wage is not a living wage yeah. here. So the same could be said for Ecuador. But I think it's interesting mm -hmm. that you want to um, involve growers all around mm -hmm. the globe so you're not dismissing um, farms in um, South America or no. in Asia yeah. or yeah. Um, Africa or Europe even. You want to know, you want this to be universal. Yeah, and I think that there, there's, there's got to be ways for us to find meaningful measures for these um, things that matter in terms of sustainability, yeah. right? So you've got the, you talked mm -hmm. about the... Um, the, the environmental bucket, mm -hmm. the social bucket. social bucket, and then the, what's the economic? So the economic is a lot of things. A lot of um, companies out there like to put all their eggs in the economic bucket because it means that they, they make money. Mm -hmm. So there's that. Mm -hmm. But in that would also go some of the living wage, right? Like, yeah. and, then, and then also looking at um, how the costs change through the supply chain, right? I mean, when you, you know, I say this all the time, when you look at a 99-cent Ecuadorian rose... How much, like, if that's what I'm paying as a florist. Right, in North America. Right. What is the cost of that, right? Like, how can we break down the economics of that rose? Wow. In ways wow. that, you know, make sense. The same wow. way, how can we break down a, you know, $2 t-shirt from Shane in China? Right. right. Like, we can't, yeah. Right. Yeah. That's why there's so many parallels with, yes. with flowers. There's so many parallels between the fashion flowers industry and, and flowers. Yeah, yeah, so many, yeah. Um, and that, we talked yesterday about this whole, um, just, just the traceability in the yep. supply chain, mm -hmm. that's back to the cost. Like, you have to go back to the beginning. Yes. I mean, you want to sort of have that cradle-to-grave kind of analysis mm -hmm. of, of these products, mm -hmm. and then, and what are the costs, what are the inputs, and what are the outputs, right? So you have this tool you're going to develop to, and scoring system, yep. and then... Hopefully, yep. you'll get some a lot of buy-in from many institutional supporters, organizations, yep. associations. Yeah, I mean, we'll have a trial period. Like, we'll yeah. have to. It'll take some ironing out. Like, I think it's a lofty product, and I may or project. I may have to narrow it down a little bit. But you know, um, but you have some models. I do have some models. Like, I, yeah, there's other models that we can that I can sort of draw on. And try to that are being used like in the foresty, forest forestry. Forestry, yes, right? exactly. Like you know, look at F FSC certified wood. Um, there's mm -hmm. other models in the fashion industry. There's other models we can draw on and sort of go, okay, well, where 
you know, like I look at the SASB, the Sustainable Accounting Standards Board in the U.S., we can look at that model, right? And I thought, think, okay, yeah. how do we... Well, yeah. I, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no. I thought the other thing you said was interesting is there are some labeling, sustainability labels mm-hmm. that do exist in floristry. For sure. And you will in, integrate those in some of those measures into your tool. Because they're a plus. Like if you if it's a fair trade certified organization, that's up on the plus side. Yeah. Right? There's some loopholes in fair trade that still need addressing in order to make it okay. And same with Rainforest Alliance and so on. But it's still a major step forward. Yeah, it's not to dismiss those. It's no. to say, we're bringing that into this larger analysis. Yes. Because some are not addressing, well, not the whole picture. No. Yeah. And, I mean, some are not addressing, you know, basic human rights. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. and so, you know, we have to... And we, like, we need that globally across all industries. I mean, the floral industry is not special. Unique. No. Coffee, um, coffee would be another one. Coffee, like, chocolate, yeah. like mm-hmm. you look at all of it, right? Yeah. Um, because they are multinational. Totally, yeah, wow. yeah. So there, there's it, there's parallels all over, and like I said, floral industry, we've just kind of right because we're we're so attached to oh, emotional yeah. um, celebrations and times in people's lives, and we create beauty and. And it feels natural. A vase of flowers feels like a, some sort of natural offering, right? Yeah, it should. Yeah. It should, and it's misleading. Yes, yeah. And, well, for example, we were uh, touring <laughs> up at uh, the resort town of Banff, and we in the hotel we stayed yeah, we, at, we and then in the place we went to for lunch, we're putting our fingers in the vases <laughs> to say, shoot, they've There's got foam here. here. Yeah. And, and how hotel, many? And like a, how many arrangements are throughout that giant hotel? And... I and replaced every week, probably. And the and hotel wants to be perceived as this like mm-hmm. beacon of sustainability mm-hmm. because they, I don't know, don't wash your sheets every day or something. Yeah, like and they that. probably compost their food waste. Right. Or like, do you know what I mean? Like they're making efforts, but they're not thinking about flowers because you don't. Yeah, and people have no idea. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, you yeah. talked about um, an an initial incident that kind of propelled you. <laughs> yes, propelled me forward. And I had, thankfully Launched it was in the me. winter because she wasn't doing weddings at the That's time. Right, yeah. But uh, do you want to elaborate on that a little bit and talk about how, you know, how, what is, so much has changed for you in the last two years with what you're doing in the, in the industry now, in the slow flowers world and Yeah, and I mean, beyond. I'm just like, you know, I'm, I'm a like part-time fact checker. <laughs> I feel like I do a lot of that. You know, if You're I a researcher, yeah, if I see a company make a claim, I go and like dive deep, like into figure out well, where did that claim come from? What are the statistics to back it up? You know, and and um, you know, I'll get you know called out for being a calling people out, but you know, I'm okay with that. Well, so I did start Sustainability Sunday too, yes, which right, yes, <laughs> yes. So that's the thing that um, we, I, I do think most people will know you for, perhaps. So your Instagram feed for Prairie Girl Flowers, you've always, I mean, I don't know how long you've had it, but... And it Since was, 2018 or 2017, okay. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, very early on, um, you had, had a conference, mm-hmm. also in 2017 or 18. Or, uh, it was uh, 19. You 19. started the Sustainable Flowers, sustainable flowers Workshop. workshop. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So you were posting about those issues. Oh, for, right oh, from the beginning. Okay. So yeah. it wasn't just pretty flowers. There was no. always a message. Often, right? Yeah. Sometimes it would be like, hey, look at this beautiful thing I sent out yesterday or, or here's yeah. my garden or whatever, right? But um, I tended to have 
the meat. But the, it was because of this urgency that you're feeling. Uh, yeah, like I felt wanna, it from the beginning. I need to speak out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm not afraid to speak out. Like, you know me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. okay with doing that. Yeah, but it's so interesting that um, you're... You know, Instagram started out as mm-hmm. just a place for pretty photos, and now yeah. it's definitely a place for people to share their opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not as bad as Facebook, but yeah, you know, or even Twitter. Right? Twitter can sort of get off the rails. Yeah, but there's a visual message to what you're doing. Yeah, so you're trying to tell with photos and graphics, and then the supporting text, mm-hmm. the point of that post. Yes, and I try to mix it up. I try to to find things that were either timely that week. It might have been something that made me mad that week that I saw. Um, it might be something that was on my radar because of a class I'm taking, but like something that I feel like I have either something to say about or some some really valuable information to share. Well, I want to. I know that Sustainability Sunday has been become very popular in the Slow Flowers community. People read uh, what you post on Sunday. They often share and repost. Um, lots of comments. Lots of. Com- uh, but you have uh, you have your detractors as well. Oh, for sure. Okay, yeah. and maybe that means you're getting close to the truth. It could be. I mean, I think I'm making people uncomfortable, um, which when you look at any sort of time of radical change, which I think we are in that globally, yes. from, inv- from all environmental and social aspects, that we have to think about radically changing what we're doing. Yeah, the status quo isn't working. It's we, not working. We've proved that. Yeah. And radical change is super uncomfortable. And it makes us reflect on so many practices we we have, we've had forever, that we participate in, and we, we either feel guilty, ashamed, angry, sad, any number of things, right? And, or defensive. Yeah. And, and it's practices and also uh, attitudes and beliefs. For sure. And, and it's, and it's hard it, to let go of those. Yeah. And so I think it's hard, and and some of my posts, you know, probably feel really hard hitting. I I, I speak from fact, right? Like I I would never say, I don't think I've ever said, you know, opinion, this is ugly. Opinion, yes, yeah. like this 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 giant foam thing is super ugly. I might say this giant foam thing is super wasteful, right? But that is a fact. Right. That is not. Do you know right. what I mean? Right. Somebody else might say, and it's ugly to boot, and I might agree. Yeah, but that's (laughs) more subjective. It's super subjective, Yeah, right? Um, So I try to, you know, research the facts, think through it, you know, talk about a study I've just read, keep it recent, up-to-date, and so on. And maybe give people the reference to that study if they want to go read it themselves. Yeah, it's hard to embed in there, right? Right, but you type new name it or whatever. Oh, yeah, or if people, you know, message me and say, hey, can you give me the link to that study? For sure. Of course, right? Um, and so you're talking about uh, everything from mechanics to sourcing to, um, uh, you know, materials mm-hmm. to the human factor yeah. and the, Chemicals. the broader environmental yeah. issue. And, um, it, you know, at first I thought you were going to run out of topics. Oh, I did too. Okay. I, like, I think I was three weeks in and I'm like, crap, what am I going to write about? Like, how am I going to make this go? But I'm coming, I've done, up, on, I've I'm done coming up on two years. <laughs> So I'm like, got apparently. Her. And listen, she has not missed a single Sunday. That's right, yeah. But yeah. Much like, to the chagrin of some followers, I'm sure. They're like, we could use a break. Like, well, you're not getting one. It's interesting because I, I thought she's already written about flower foam, and now mm-hmm. she's doing it again. Mm-hmm. Your point, and we talked about you yep. hearing from a very well-known uh, influencer yep. who was like, aren't you 
are you done with this? Yes. Or something. And you had a great response. So, uh, yeah. And so I, I, my response was, which then she was like, oh my God, of course you're right. And I said, you know, how long did it take us to get cigarettes properly labeled? You know, you had to be 18 to purchase them. In Canada, they're hidden. I don't know if they're around the States. Like no. They have to be hidden behind a... Like, people had to build new shelving with a cover on it okay. behind the, the, you know, the desk. And how long did it take us to get that? Like, decades. Right, right. You know, and, and, it, and yet there was complete evidence that smoking causes illnesses. Right, right. right. And impacts on an unborn child and so on. Right. So we knew this. But, but it, how long did it take us to get all of that done? There was a relentless um, yeah. campaign. Yes, yeah. Probably from the medical profession and from educators and yeah. child development um, experts. Yeah. That it was a, a collective effort. It wasn't yes. one person. No, and you have to yeah. just, it's like you just have to keep beating it and beating it and beating mm. it and fighting for it. Not that I'm comparing, you know, no, flower foam to cigarettes. I'm not. But the point is that whenever you want to make, you know, a change and really sort of disrupt things and shift them in a way that is better for the planet and its people and so on, that's going to take a lot of work and a lot of repeating the message. Right. But you are trying to have a call to action yeah, or some offered solution. You're not all doom and gloom. You're trying to move the conversation yeah. to what, what can we do? Yes, and I and that's something that I spend a lot of time doing. I probably don't put as much of that in sustainability. Sometimes, sometimes I do. I'll say, well, like you know, wholesalers, have you thought of doing this? Florists, can you do this? Right? Yes. And then and there is a character limit, right? There is a character limit. Okay. I reach it every week. <laughs> <laughs> I usually have to delete like a couple words, and and it, it's fine. But but you know, they, they know you. They're like, oh, she's that one. Well, because people the wordy have one. said like I get more words than they do. <laughs> Their character limit is less than mine. I'm like, I wonder how that happened. Hopefully they won't pay attention anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They being Facebook or, yeah. or so, Meta. So calls to action is, um, like, those are super important mm -hmm. and not something that I maybe do enough of. I do them every now and again. Mm -hmm. um, but often I look at it as, you know, they're a bit of a PSA, a bit of a public service yeah. announcement. Yeah. Um, and hopefully inspire people to think. Yeah. Um, you know you're getting traction because your the comments are way more than the average person gets in terms of comments. Yeah, right? like yeah, and a get... lot of DMs and mm -hmm. all of that. Which, like, for an old lady, I'm like, stop you drop said, it into my DMs. You said you woke up this. You posted something on your stories, <laughs> yeah. and you woke up to 50 plus DM messages this morning. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so you try to respond to all of them. I try. I try to get to all of them. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Because I feel like you know. And if they're a question, I give them, hopefully give them an answer or a place to go to try to find some more answers or... Yeah, and I will know. say that when people are upset by your Sustainability yep. Sunday post on Instagram, uh, if they do comment, you respond. I do, yeah. And you told me last night, you, you just keep circling back to the facts. You yep. don't engage in personal attacks. No. Um, you offer to talk to people offline in a conversation. Yep. Or a phone call even, yeah. like whatever, yeah. And... and um, have you changed any hearts and minds in doing that? Uh, some. Really? I think some. And then some probably, like, hate me more. Yeah. You know? Um, Agree to disagree. Yeah, fine. You can Let carry on. you. Oh, yeah. Block away. Yeah, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. Um, because you, f you, feel, you feel confident in the research you've done. Mm -hmm. You're not 
fake news. You're no, not, I'm not fake news. <laughs> you're not, really not fake You're news. not uh, trying to cyberbully. No, although, no. You know that people interpret the people a interpret it. statement that upsets them. As if bullying. I say like I saw this happen last week, and I don't even mention who it was, I saw this happen last week. This is problematic for A, B, and C. People are like, well, that's bullying and shaming, and I'm like, well. That person has 200,000 followers on Instagram and taught how to do this practice. Is that bullying and shaming? Like, that's an interesting conversation to have. Yeah. Right? Like, so are we okay with that? And, you know, I think to me, bullying and shaming is saying, you know, and her ugly mug, like, do you know what I mean? Like, like that's like, that's personal. personal That's personal. But saying, like, if, if a practice is shameful... And you know why, because you've just laid out the reasons. And you're teaching that yeah. to, you know, thousands of people. That's questionable. It's questionable. Yeah. And you and should answer for it. Yes. You should have an answer for it. Yeah. And, and you know, and that's a hard pill to swallow. Like, you know, if I was doing all that and, and somebody said, like, I can't believe you're using foam, you're, you know, terrible floors, whatever, I would feel awful. Right. And I would probably not like that person either. Right. But right. maybe, the, but I also have a lot of followers who are like, since I've been following you, I don't use foam anymore. Or I don't use bleached Ruskus anymore. So you have, any bleached you so, have changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I get that. They're like literally once I because they're like I didn't know. Yeah. So. So if you're the person who's saying, now you know. Yeah, and that's one of one of my things I come back to. It's like once you know better, do you do better? Mm-hmm. And if you know better and you choose not to do better, that's not okay. That's on you. That's on you. Yeah. And that's that's maybe something to feel a bit ashamed or embarrassed about because right. that's not okay. Right. 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 Wow, yeah. Becky, it's yeah. heavy. It's yeah. so it, it's, it is it's heavy so sometimes. intense. It's, yeah, it is. Yeah, and and then there's the time spent with you that is so enriching, and my mind is spinning with ideas. And I know that those who get to spend time with you at your workshops yeah. walk away completely, uh, you know, fired up to yeah, typically, carry the yeah, torch. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I mean, people leave with a few tears because we always have sort of social justice as you know part of it, and so there will be the odd sort of tear shed over something mm-hmm. they didn't know about or that, that, you know, they're thinking, gosh, I have to work on that or whatever. Right, right. But people, we laugh a lot. Yeah. We do great things with flowers. We so, laugh a lot. So you've changed <laughs> the Sustainable <laughs> Flowers workshop mm-hmm. to a new kind of model called the Sustainable Flowers Project. Yeah. And I wanted to just talk about that before sure. we wrap up. Yeah. It's in September. Yeah. You're coming to the U.S. I'm coming to the U.S. Taking it on the road. Okay. Yeah. So with my, with my good buddy, TJ McGrath. So we're, he and I are sort of leading this this year um, in New Jersey at the beautiful regenerative Jardin de Bouy um, that is run by two, who, two of our speakers, Andrea and Eric, um, who will be teaching regenerative soil practices. So I should say, this year we're looking at the workshop and the, and the project, the Sustainable Flowers Project, to go from soil to vase. I love that. And then the umbrella over that vase is the social justice. Okay. And so, so we start at the soil on the first day. And that's why you've chose that location. Yes. Yeah. And, and we have Eric and Andrea speaking to this, right? And so they're landscape... Um, rep- architects, designers, and he's like, you know, crazy, fascinating soil nerd. Okay. <laughs> Knows right. tons they, about... They think yeah. about soil before they even plant something. Oh, yeah. Like so there's the, soil to landscape to yes, garden. Yes, and, and regenerative yeah. practices. What does that mean? So. Yeah. You know, we'll be talking about fungi and what does regeneration mm-hmm. mean in terms of soil and so on and touring the grounds. Um, and then we, I have Shane Connolly coming over. That's a pretty big get. Yeah, he's great. 
and um, so adorable. He's one of my buddies too. Yeah, and so past guest of the podcast too. Yeah, that's that terrific. Although you think he might not remember that. Well, he people. He might. We'll, we'll oh, see if he watches we'll this. Have, we'll see have if to he remind him. Us. He'll be like, of course you're I remember. Shame you remember, yeah, right? Um, so he's coming over and doing, um, you know, sort of understanding seasonality and the importance of seasonality in your arrangements and doing one-on-one bowl arrangements with, like, you know, as a group, right? So Shane but that's sort that. of his, his lens that he's, he's yes. working at design through seasonality. Totally. Yeah. And so understanding that. So we'll be, you know, late September, it'll be stunning. Yeah. Um, we have Ingrid Carosi coming over from Tin Can Studios in Brooklyn, who's an excellent, um, she's hardcore large-scale sustainable mechanics, right? right? But from someone who didn't used to be that way. So she's talking about her own evolution as yeah, a, a large-scale And how designer. she now never, ever uses foam and now never uses bleached or dyed or painted botanicals and still attracts these world-class big clients, big right? So, so this clients. can be done, yes. right? Yeah. Um, That's empowering. I think it's super empowering. And she's also wildly talented and lovely. So... Um, that'll That's be great. fun. We have a big catered dinner that night where we'll be sitting with all of our arrangements and so on. Um, and then we have TJ doing a sort of rethinking your arrangement. So how can you rethink things with, with fewer in, new inputs, right? So again, that let, like not consuming. Like the mass, less, less is more less kind is of more. philosophy. And less can be more, right? Yeah. And then we're lucky to have Amber Tam coming, um, who's a remarkable young woman in Brooklyn who um, is sort of part of the the sustainable floristry movement and also food justice and food sovereignty. Yeah. So she has a rich flower and horticulture background that I think will um, be fabulous. Yeah. So she's our umbrella, yeah. right? Like she's the so talk about the she, social justice and this component. has to like, that's what keeps it all being okay. Well, it's back to what you said. You said something earlier about, um, you know, if you have this silo approach and just looking at sustainability, but yeah. you're not looking at the human component or the economic component, mm-hmm. you're, you're not getting this holistic uh, yeah. solution. No, because somebody or something is getting left out. Yeah. And whatever's getting left out matters. Right. Right? We can't leave out the environment. We can't leave out the people. We can't leave out, um, you, know, you know, valuable and economically sustainable supply chains. We can't leave yeah, that out. Yeah. It all has to, because otherwise it collapses. Right. Right? right. Yeah. I love it. Well, it's yeah. people, planet, and profits. That's to- what it totally, is. Totally, exactly. People, planet, profit, environment, social, economic, you know, any number of things, yeah, right? that's great. And I think, you know, ultimately what you end up with is a system that is sustainable and that flourishes. And right? everyone that can... Yeah, and as everyone is empowered to understand this, you just take this big macro idea and you can apply it to your mission and your brand and your daily practices yeah. if you're empowered and you know the truth about the choices you're making. Exactly. And so many people don't because it's not presented. That's right. Yeah. And, to, and to just like have all of those, to have those uncomfortable conversations or those uncomfortable thoughts about like, well, wait a minute, what am I going to do about this? Do you know what yeah. I mean? And then try to problem solve that. Yeah. I mean, from a point of view of, of like being a, a book publisher, mm-hmm. um, I, I'm committed to printing my books in the U.S. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, we have a Canadian author. We should be looking for a printing option in Canada, too. But I remember a very interesting um, situation where a, um, a person who perceives herself as very uh, progressive on sustainability, mm-hmm. uh, who has a book... Uh, critiqued a post 
of a florist in Slow Flowers a post about using California flowers instead of local Pacific Northwest flowers and was very hurtful. Yeah, and interesting. I said to the florist, don't worry, her argument doesn't have any weight with me because her book is printed in China. And yes. that is not sustainable. That's right, And yeah. you're buying into that whole international publishing, um, you know, outsourcing, yeah. uh, which has hurt our domestic publishing right, industry. Right, exactly. And then how are the people being treated in China? Oh, like, there's that, like no then there's idea. that. Like, well, I don't know, right. but, but we have to think about Right. That. No one has evaluated what kind of inks are going down into the rivers, you know, yes, for the printing like, process. Exactly. So I sort of think it's very easy to compartmentalize. It is. And I, think, and I know I do it. Because oh, and I do I too, right? a Honda. You know, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I'm guilty of it too. Yeah. But I think, you know, and, and we want to watch out for those sort of like whataboutism Right, and you've posted about that. Yes, and it's and it's and we all do it because they'll say, well, you know, Becky at Sustainability Sunday goes on and on about this, but what about the minivan she drives? Right. Or what about she took her family to Europe one year? Right. It's right. like, well, but what I'm working on is this, and me taking a flight with my family on a trip does not diminish the importance of this that I'm yes. talking about. Yes. And, and by the way, you bought carbon off Right, and also I get carbon offsets, right? Which, from a reliable reputation, that's a whole other conversation. But um, that's another thing you have to be very careful of. But there, but there I are ways to get them. That. Yeah, yeah, there are ways to get them that are good. Or at least, you know, well vetted. Better than. Yes, yeah. better than, as Toby would say, and Toby Nelson, and, but also really well vetted, you know. It's just, it can be overwhelming. And oh, there's days when I think to myself, I'm just going back to bed. Like, that's it. Pull the covers and up. Because where you have two labradoodles who would like to go That's right. No, they don't want to. Yeah, exactly. So we can all snuggle in there and just go, crap. And what are you going to do? <laughs> and I'm not going to lie. I do that every now and again. But you pick yourself up and get back into the yeah, discussion. Yeah, because you have to, yeah. right? Yeah, it's, um, it's empowering. Yeah. Well, you're empowering. Well, it's, that's what you do. We're here. Yeah. Anything yeah, yeah. else you want to mention that I didn't ask you? I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, we're excited for this. I'm excited to come to the summit. Yeah, um, I'm delighted that yeah, you're coming. Absolutely. I, 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 once I got into it, I haven't missed one, except during COVID. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, I'm, so this um, is excellent. Yes, yeah, so I'm thrilled. So this will air before we have the Slow Fire Summit at oh, Stone Barn Center. Okay. So this, continue, this conversation will just continue there because there's oh, yeah. so many um, like-minded, um, committed, passionate um and there's so many old friends of mine that yeah. are going to be there too that I haven't caught up with and that we've had this sort of virtual relationship for the last two years and we need to see each other's faces yeah. Yeah. to sort of hash out some things we've maybe not agreed on or that we're, we don't understand the other person's perspective. Yeah, so you, you need that, you need that face to face. Yeah, because the filter of social media it's is brutal. It is. Right? I agree completely. Yeah. Well, I, the human contact is one of the things that we prioritize with, it's so with the summit. So yeah. Well, good. Well, thank you so much well, for thank letting you, me come visiting you. Yeah. We've had such a Thanks great visit. Thanks for putting visit. up with my dogs. Oh, <laughs> my crazy dogs. These dogs are... Well, I have a great portrait of you with, with Larry. I don't know if, yeah. my, if, if Magic's in it. but uh, I, Well, there's one with Magic, but there is one with just me and Larry. Okay, yeah. well, I'll take them both. Yeah, yeah. We'll, sure. we'll share yeah. that. They're my uh, sidekicks. <laughs> And I'll make sure when we uh, air this uh, uh, as a podcast on slowflowerspodcast.com to include all of Becky's social places and links and a few screenshots of sure. Sustainability Sunday sure. yeah. and the information about the Sustainable Flowers Project oh, in thanks. September. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're excited for that. It sounds like you still have a few openings. We do, yeah. And we're just trying, yeah. And so we're, you know, and, and again, with that project, we're committed to having a zero waste event. 
I'm excited about that. It's pretty hard. And we take a photo every year, like, okay, so this was our garbage. Like, it literally could fit in my hand. So it wasn't zero waste, but it was awfully close. Right. Minimal. Right? And Minimal fully catered. Fu- yeah, exactly. All oh. the food and, you It know. makes me want to try that with the Slow Flower Summit. Yeah, it's, it's another layer of stuff you have to think about. And you also have to, like, be super conscious. Like, if somebody opens a granola bar, you like, that save that wrapper. wrapper. Right. <laughs> Give exactly. it to me. That's in my garbage. <laughs> right? Well, is, luckily yeah. with, the, with the Stone Barn Center venue, I think that they've, they've got that baked in. I was going to say, yeah. I don't think we'll have styrofoam coffee cups. No. Know, that sort no of yeah, thing. exactly. So we've, yeah. we've asked those questions. Okay, yeah. I'm going to end this. Okay, thank you. I have to fly home. That's right. I have to take you to the airport. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thank you, Deborah. Thank you so much for joining us today. Becky writes that ethical and sustainable floristry involves looking at not only how and where we source our flowers, but also considering the waste generated by designs and packaging. She maintains that like other agricultural crops, we need to examine not only the carbon footprint of our flowers, but also the use of pesticides, water pollution, exploitation in the supply chain, and waste. Sustainable floristry means using local and seasonal flowers. For her, it also means not importing flowers from overseas, never using single-use plastics for packaging or floral foam in designs, and supporting local growers and creatives to give back to the community. You can watch the replay video of this show at slowflowerspodcast.com for episode 561 and find links and more resources about all that Becky and I discussed, including her popular Instagram series, hashtag Sustainability Sunday, and the upcoming Sustainable Flowers Project, which she is co-producing with TJ McGrath of TJ McGrath Design. If you're heading to the Slow Flowers Summit just a few weeks away on June 26th through 28th in New York... Be sure to meet Becky and TJ there in person and learn more about their workshop. I'm hoping to be there too in September. Thank you to our next sponsor, The Gardener's Workshop, which offers a full curriculum of online education for flower farmers and farmer florists. Online education is more important this year than ever, and you'll want to check out the course offerings at thegardenersworkshop.com. Later this week on Friday, June 10th, At 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, you're invited to join the Slow Flowers member virtual meetup. You'll join Shannon Algier, our special guest, as she introduces the famed Stone Barn Center for Food and Agriculture, our Slow Flower Summit host location and venue for day two and day three. Shannon is Arts and Ecology Director at Stone Barn Center. She brings over 25 years of experience in holistic farm design, crop production, garden and greenhouse management, and farm-based education. She and Philippe Guz will open our June 27th session at the Slow Flowers Summit, that's on the Monday, with a presentation entitled The Flowers of Stone Barn Center and Blue Hill. At the meetup this Friday, Shannon will be joined by Stone Barn Center Greenhouse Manager, Daniel Bartouche, and they'll give us a preview of the floral program at Stone Barn Center and the programs of the Arts and Ecology Lab. You must pre-register to join us. I'll share the registration link in today's show notes for episode 561 at slowflowerspodcast.com. Our final thanks goes to Details Flowers Software, a platform specifically designed to help florists and designers do more and earn more 
With an elegant and easy-to-use system, Details improves profitability, productivity, and organization for floral businesses of all shapes and sizes. You can grow your bottom line through professional proposals and confident pricing with their all-in-one platform. All friends of the Slow Flowers podcast will receive a seven-day free trial of Details Flowers software. Learn more at detailsflowers.com. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today. The Slow Flowers podcast is a member-supported endeavor downloaded more than 855,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of our domestic cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. If you're new to our weekly show or our long-running podcast, check out all of our resources at slowflowersociety.com and consider making a donation to sustain Slow Flowers' ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button at slowflowerspodcast.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of The Slow Flowers Show and The Slow Flowers Podcast. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more slow flowers on the table, one stem, one vase at a time. I look forward to seeing you then. Mm-hmm.